Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You should give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine, Be in the Know, and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Bob Levy. He's the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about major cases pending before the Supreme Court this term. We'll also visit with Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josepha Savaz. It is February the 14th, and on this day in around the year uh, 270 A.D., Valentine, a holy priest in Rome in the days of the Emperor Claudius II, was said to have been executed under the rules of Claudius the Cruel, Rome was involved in many unpopular and bloody campaigns. The emperor had to maintain a strong army, but was having a difficult time getting soldiers to join his military leagues. He believed that Roman men were uh, unwilling to join the army because of their strong attachment to their wives and families. To get rid of the problem, Claudius banned all marriages and engagements in Rome. Valentine, realizing the injustice of this decree, defied Claudius, and he continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When uh, Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered him to be put to death. Valentine was arrested and dragged before the prefect of Rome, who condemned him to be beaten to death with clubs and then to have his head cut off. The sentence was carried out on February the 14th, on or about this year, 270. Legend also has it that while in jail, St. Valentine left a farewell note for the jailer's daughter, who had become his friend and signed it, From Your Valentine. For his great service, Valentine was named a saint after his death. In truth, the exact origins of the identity of St. Valentine are unclear. According to the Catholic Encyclopedia, at least three different St. Valentines, all of the martyrs, are mentioned in the early martyrologies under the date of February the 14th. One of the priests in Rome, the second one was a bishop uh, in Tierney, uh, Italy, and the third, St. Valentine was a martyr in the Roman province of Africa. Legends vary on how many the martyr's name, how the martyr's name became connected with romance. The date of his death may have been mingled with the feast of Lupercalia, a pagan uh, festival of love. One of these occasions, the names of the young women who were placed in a box from which they were drawn by the men at, at chance directed in 496 A.D. Pope Galesius uh, decided to put the end to the feast of the Lupercalia and he declared that February 14th to be celebrated as St. Valentine's Day. Gradually, February the 14th came a date for exchanging love messages, poems, and simple gifts such as flowers. So there you have it. Happy Valentine's Day to you. I hope your day goes better than it did for St. Valentine on this day when he was clubbed to death and had his head cut off. Well, U.S. stocks got creamed yesterday. Dow posted the worst day since March 2023, following a hotter-than-expected inflation report. The Consumer Index in January fell to 3.1% year-over-year growth, down from 3.4% rise in December, but higher than analyst predictions at 2.9%. The annual figure, which tracks the changes in prices of basket of goods and services, now the lowest increase since June. Uh, prices increased by 0.3% on the month-to-month basis, an increase over last month of 0.2%, which complicates the Federal Reserve's plan to cut interest rates this year. Housing was the biggest contributor to overall inflation, rising 0.6% for the month. That's a lot. And 6% for the year, and accounting for two-thirds of the January's gain. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy prices, increased by 0.4% on the month and 3.9% on the year. The reading likely pushes the Fed's cut, first cut to the benchmark federal funds rate out to sometime in June or July. An estimated 123.4 million viewers tuned in this year's Super Bowl, uh, marking it the most watched broadcast since the historic Apollo 11 moon landing in 1969. So how were the uh, employees rewarded? Well, Paramount Global cut 800 jobs, or about 3% of the workforce, just two days after its network's biggest record-setting watch, uh, television watch. So I would say this is definitely, they muffed the timing on this one. I could have waited until Friday or made an announcement at the end of the week. 
Well, Senator Rand Paul uh, slammed the $95.3 billion foreign aid package, which he says is unlikely to even pass the House after the Senate passed it Tuesday following an all-night session. I think, for one, uh, that the American people are opposed to the bill. I think they're opposed to the concept of Ukraine first and America last, Rand Paul said on the Senate floor Monday evening, hours before the bill passed, 70 to 29. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Tuesday pressed House Speaker Mike Johnson to hold a vote on approving uh, foreign aid to Ukraine after the upper chamber approved a uh, security assist uh, package to provide funding for the war-torn nation. The Senate on Tuesday morning approved a $95.3 billion aid package after an all-night session. The package also allotted funds to Israel and Taiwan. Speaking to reporters after the vote, McConnell urged the lower chamber to follow suit. We've heard all kinds of rumors about whether the House supports Ukraine or doesn't. It seems to me that the easy way to solve this would be to take a vote, he said, and I hope the Speaker will find a way to allow the House to work in its, its will on the issue of the Ukraine at aid and other parts of the bill as well. Prior to a vote, Johnson warned Monday evening that the House would stand firm on its inclusion of border security provisions in any aid package. House Republicans were crystal clear from the very beginning of this discussion that any so-called national security supplemental legislation must recognize that national security begins at our own border. The House acted 10 months ago to help ensure transformative policy changed by passing the Secure Our Border Act, and since then, including today, the Senate has failed to meet the moment, he said. Wish him luck on this one. I hope he is able to persevere. Uh, actually, he should just start, hey, look, the ball is in the president's hand. He doesn't need any laws. He doesn't need any money. He just needs to reenact the policies that Trump had in place before Biden came into office. Once he's done that, we'll take a look at whatever he'd like to accomplish. That should be the message, in my opinion. Former Democrat Representative Tom Suze uh, defeated Republican Nassau County legislator Mozzie Pilip in a special election yesterday in the 3rd Congressional District in New York. So uh, he, this is to fill the George Santos seat. So unfortunately, uh, the Democrat won, and it's not going to help uh, Mike Johnson's efforts to secure legislation for uh, conservative legislation. The House of Representatives yesterday impeached Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas by a 214-13 to 13 vote for allegedly violating immigration laws over his handling of the southern border. Mayorkas is the second cabinet member in U.S. history to be removed from office following the 1876 impeachment of then-Secretary of War William Belknap. The Republican-led House uh, passed two articles of impeachment yesterday following last week's attempt with, when four Republicans joined Democrats in voting 216-14 to 14 against the impeachment. One GOP lawmaker switched his vote at the last minute in the procedural move to avoid a tie, allowing the conference to bring the vote up again. Mayorkas has been under scrutiny as many uh, the number of migrants crossing U.S. through Mexico hit record levels last year. Border agents recorded a monthly high of over 300,000 migrants' encounters in December, up 25% from November and 20% year-over-year. However, in January, migrant encounters were down 42% month-over-month to around 176,000, but up 12% from the January of 2023. Democrat-led Senate is likely to either dismiss Mayorkas charges or set the matter aside indefinitely. Democratic lawmakers claim the impeachment is politically motivated. Just my opinion on this. He certainly needs, uh, it deserves to be impeached, but the real impeachment should be Joe Biden. He is uh, Mayorkas's boss. He could direct Mayorkas's activities. Uh, I think, it, uh, as Harry Truman said, the buck stops here. It stops with the president. Uh, this should just be one more article of impeachment uh, for Biden, along with uh, the selling influence and the other thing that he's being charged with uh, not enforcing the law, I think is a good reason to impeach the, uh, Joe Biden. Or uh, Former Hunter Biden business associate Tony Bobolinsky is set to testify behind closed doors as part of the Biden impeachment inquiry on Tuesday. In his opening statement, Bobolinsky said that he was happy for Americans to finally hear the facts and evidence that I've been trying to uh, outline for over four years. And he did outline all this four years ago. It was actually before the debate, the presidential debate between Trump and Biden. 
all backed up and supported by emails, text, documents, records, pictures, and other evidence for four years. We've all known about this, adding that these facts are important for America's national security. He said, I want to be crystal clear from my direct personal experience of what I've subsequently come to learn. It's clear to me that Joe Biden was a, the brand being sold by the Biden family, Bobolinsky's prepared opening statement said. His family foreign influence peddling operation from China to Ukraine and elsewhere sold out to foreign actors who were seeking to gain influence and access to Joe Biden and the United States government. Bobolinsky wrote that Biden was more than a participant in and beneficiary of his family's business. He was an enabler, uh, despite being buffered by the complex scheme to maintain plausible deniability. He stated that the reason the international business transactions took place was because Biden was vice president at the time. The Biden family business was Joe Biden, period, he said. Other key players have made this point very clear as well, noting comments from Biden, Hunter Biden as well as Devon Archer's testimony. <clears throat> the Chinese Communist Party, uh, though linked CPP-linked uh, China energy company CEFC, successfully sought to infiltrate and compromise Joe Biden <clears throat> and the Obama-Biden White House. The process, he wrote, began in the fourth quarter of 2015 and extended through when Biden left the White House into January of 2017 when Trump took over the presidency. Bobolinsky said it was a coincidence that CEFC used the Biden family's weakest link, Hunter Biden, he said not a coincidence, and the promise of large sums of money to the tune of tens of millions of dollars initially and eventually the profit from the investing billions of dollars in the United States and around the world. So this is a, a Bobolinsky's testimony. He wrote uh, that alarm bell should have been ringing in the Obama White House and that uh, Biden should have been aware of his own administration had red flagged CEFC as a tool of the Communist Chinese Party. So guilty. Uh, and Bobolinsky's uh, testimony, I think, is going to be very damning when it comes down to indicting and, uh, I should say, impeaching the President of the United States. He said he voluntarily walked to the Washington field office of the FBI on October 2020 when several phone calls containing years of communication between himself and Biden family members and associates with the conversation with the FBI lasted many hours. He was never followed up with. Hunter Biden himself is set to submit to closed-door deposition on February the 28th in the impeachment inquiry. So we'll see how this all goes. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C. and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. I hope you check out the website, Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. So, Bob, in our last visit, we were talking about some of the key cases that were going to be pending before the Supreme Court in this particular term. We stopped with uh, some regulations on gun control. What was the impact of the Bruin case on the legal framework for gun regulation? Well, prior to Bruin, the court had followed a two-step approach in Second Amendment cases. Step one, uh, examine whether a proposed regulation is consistent with text, history, and tradition of gun laws. And then step two, to examine the costs and benefits of firearms restrictions. So Bruin said, look, we're going to use step one only. And, And it concluded in that case that New York failed the first step, text, history, and tradition. Hmm. So now the court, since it, since in Bruin it invalidated a 1913 law, it held that Americans have a right to carry outside the home for self-defense without proving that there was a special need. That was a big deal in Bruin, because both because Bruin was the first case to extend the right to carry beyond the home, and because the court over, over, overhauled its Second Amendment framework. So here's what's happened since since Bruin, mm-hmm. since they have this new framework. A West Virginia judge struck down a law prohibiting the possession of guns with obliterated serial numbers. We had a Texas judge strike down a law barring purchases by uh, <clears throat> people under felony indictments. A New Jersey judge struck down a law barring guns in libraries and bars. And then a federal judge in Virginia struck down a ban on handguns to persons age 18 to 20. Now, presumably, none of those laws were present during the framing era, and that's why they've been struck, uh, stricken under the Bruin framework. Under the pre-Bruin structure, I think it's very likely those laws would have been upheld. So we're going to see if the court backs off from this exclusive reliance on history and tradition. It's mm-hmm. a big deal. It is a big deal, and of course it doesn't uh, in any way prevent the assault of the Second Amendment by uh, people who don't like guns, for sure. That's that's correct. So uh, another racial gerrymandering case is coming before the uh, court. What's going on with that? Yeah, this is Alexandra versus South Carolina and AACP. Uh, the issue is whether South Carolina could redistribute 30,000 black voters across multiple districts so that the district that remained would ultimately elect a white Republican. Mm -hmm. So the state claims that its motivation was not racial, that it was simply partisan. They wanted to make sure a Republican got elected. Ordinarily, the courts won't intervene when the redistricting is for partisan reasons. 
only if it's for racial reasons. And in last year's case in Alabama, the court allowed what's called race packing. This year, the South Carolina case involves race cracking. Hmm. So here's the distinction. Race cracking is meant to disadvantage blacks by splitting them across multiple districts and thereby diluting their voting strength. And that's what's being alleged here. Race packing is just the opposite. It draws lines that leaves blacks concentrated in as few districts as possible, and it thereby increases their voting strength within those particular districts, but it weakens their clout everywhere else. That's so interesting, Bob. Didn't didn't the Supreme Court uh, have an affirmative action case? Haven't we reduced the importance of race in some of these uh, decisions? Well, in terms of affirmative actions, it certainly has, but not in terms of redistricting. That's still a hot issue now pending before the court. All right. Thank you, Bob. So how do you think the racial gerrymandering problem should be resolved? Well, ideally, the courts would like to see, uh, and I think we should like to see, race-neutral criteria based on factors like, you know, how compact is the district, mm-hmm. what, what does uh, its shape look like, uh, r- roughly equal population with other districts, the common interests of the residents within a district, and I think most important physical boundaries, you know, like rivers, as well as political boundaries like city and county and county lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, by contrast, race-conscious criteria using methods like what I described as race-cracking and race-packing, they're designed to group people who look alike mm-hmm. and implicitly assume that because they look alike, they're going to think alike. Mm-hmm. And the better solution, it seems to me, would disallow both race-packing and race-cracking and then appoint a nonpartisan commission to draw districts using race-neutral criteria. Uh, easy to say, but difficult to do. Yeah, indeed. So uh, we have another abortion-related case. Tell us about the abortion drug, and I'm going to probably mispronounce this, but peripherizone. Yeah, FDA versus Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine. Uh, the Biden administration and the manufacturer of the pronunciation is Mifepristone, uh, want to allow unrestricted access to that drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, lower courts said, look, the FDA didn't follow proper procedures or adequately consider safety when it allowed the drug to be taken later than six weeks into the pregnancy and mailed directly to patients without them buying at a store and prescribed by a medical professional other than the doctor. So while this litigation is pending, uh, still the drug is accessible. It's now used in over half of U.S. abortions. Hmm. The FDA had approved the drug in 2000 under a fast-track procedure for treating what's called serious illnesses. But the Texas courts held, among other things, that pregnancy is not a serious illness, right. so that the rule didn't apply. That is so interesting. So what are the counter-arguments by the drug manufacturer? Well, they're saying the alleged injuries to these uh, anti-abortion organizations and, and physicians didn't warrant standing to file the lawsuit. They're also saying the suit was too late. I mean, this lawsuit was filed 23 years after the FDA approved the drug. Hmm. And they're saying that the act called the Compstack Act that prohibits mailing drugs like this is a dead letter and, a, and has only been used to apply to unlawful uses, and we're not talking about unlawful uses. And further, they're saying that scientists disagree uh, with the lower court's assertion that the FDA ignored safety factors and that even though the FDA used its fast-track approval, it later reapproved the drug on a couple of occasions, and if the Texas decision stands disallowing this drug, then they say federal courts would be empowered to overturn virtually any FDA approval process. And ultimately, I think that's going to be the basis on which the decision is rendered. How much should the courts be deferring to these uh, agencies? Now, interestingly, in this particular case, this new doctrine, the major question doctrine, which requires a clear congressional directive on big issues, that's probably been satisfied Mm -hmm. in this case because Congress did explicitly 
delegate authority to the FDA, and the FDA would be acting in this instance within its core area of competence. So it's a very interesting case. We'll see how it goes. Well, indeed. And just to clarify, Bob, is this uh, going to be an all-or-nothing thing? In other words, will the Supreme Court, will their decision be the drug can no longer be used, or will it be it's going to be have to be used with uh, only recommendations from a doctor and so forth? I suspect they're going to allow the drug to be used and uh, that they will impose some light restrictions. It may... Um, require a doctor's prescription. Uh-huh. My, If I had to bet, I would say they would approve what's happened at the FDA, that it can be used, that it can be mailed, and that <clears throat> it can be prescribed by other than a, a medical um, a, a physician. But uh, this, this is, we don't know this is a conservative court, so it may well be uh, with some other restrictions imposed. So interesting. Bob Levy, again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. I hope you check out the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. All right, coming up, I'm going to visit with Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show. Are you seeking new customers or contacts for your business? Why not promote your business to our loyal listeners? Join Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, the Collier Senior Center, Lulabee's Diner, and many others who've been advertising on the show, in many cases, for years. The rates are reasonable, and there's no required long-term commitments or contracts. Let me help you promote your business to our loyal listeners here on The Bob Harden Show. Visit the website, bobharden.com, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. That's bobharden at hotmail.com. Welcome back to The Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Tim stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, always great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Always good to be here. 
Thank you, Andy. So we typically, and, and the background on this is that uh, I've been cast as somewhat as the optimist, and you, in some cases, more pessimistic. So we're going to focus on what we've been doing recently. Well, I, I like to see myself as a rational pessimist, but uh, you're a rational optimist. I, I will acknowledge that. So <laughs> Thank you. Essentially, we agree, but we have a slightly different coloring to our position. Exactly. So uh, any good news for us today? Well, let me start out with... <clears throat> Today is Valentine's Day. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to wish a man happy Valentine's Day, but nevertheless, Bob, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I think it's worth looking back on this event and find its origin goes back to ancient Rome. Uh, from the 13th to the 15th of February, the Romans celebrated something called the Feast of Lupercalia. And in this uh, day, on these days, the men sacrificed a goat and a dog, then whipped women with the hides of these animals they had just slain. Young women would line up uh, for the men to hit them. They believed this would make them fertile. So sometimes we have to look back on the origins of these, what seemed to be a purely romantic day, and understand there's a, a little bit of darkness that can be associated uh, with these theoretically ro romantic events, Bob. Now, that's so interesting. Well, as I pointed out earlier in the show, uh, Valentine himself, St. Valentine, was actually clubbed to death with, and then his head cut off. So... Uh, he that, didn't that have sounds a... romantic to me. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm being pessimistic. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound very romantic to me either, but you, <laughs> I don't think he had it coming, quite frankly. I, I, I remember back in grade school, the, we, we'd all bring in Valentine cards for the other students. The, we'd put them in a big box. The teachers would then distribute them. And the trauma that that day generated for, for young people like myself, young guys like myself, waiting to see if we got any Valentine's yeah. Day card. That, the trauma was just overwhelming. You know, so it, it has a really significant downside, I would suggest. Uh, let me give my, my quote of the day, which uh, comes from my wife, a very astute woman. Uh, she was talking to me last night, and she said, Andy, uh, America may be the first country whose outgoing president goes into a home and the incoming president goes into a jail. <laughs> and I, I, I that was a, a very meaningful way of summing up exactly where we are right now as it pertains to the uh, to the presidency. So although I do not think that Trump is going to be going in, into a jail that is not beyond the the the, the realm of possibility, Bob. So uh, I will cite my wife's my wife's quotation on that. Um, any any comment before I move on? No, I just uh, just acknowledge your wife's uh, creativity in coming up with that because I think it pretty well sums up that the <laughs> Joe Biden, Joe Biden really does need some help and supervision. So uh, uh, he's running the country right now, unfortunately, or or at least he has the uh, tools to do so. He's got his hands on the nuclear. Uh, suitcase if you can believe that but uh you know as i teach my college courses right now so i'm i'm sitting here with my computer uh, most uh, half of the day perhaps and i have the radio on in the background and the constant discussion of of joe biden's uh, mental potential mental not even potential but capability at this point mm -hmm. it just gets into a point of such significant overkill i mean we know we understand completely that this is not a man who should be, as you're describing it, uh, with his finger on the, on the button of, of nuclear potential. Uh, yet we, we sit here and we know that Robert Hur, uh, uh found him incompetent to even stand trial for the uh, offenses of violation of security uh, regulations in terms of uh, his possession of, of, of secure documents. Uh, and yet the 25th Amendment is, is although it's alluded to, uh, is not is not given any any true substance or direction. Uh, so I, I, it's hard to understand. I, it's hard for most Americans to understand how Joe Biden can be incompetent to actually understand the crimes he committed and the and the potential punishments for those crimes, and therefore he will not be in any way tried for those crimes. And yet is totally competent uh, to control the fates of three hundred and 35 million Americans. There's a, 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 a incredible incongruity to those to, to those thoughts. Well, that's absolutely the case. And uh, quite frankly, it's t like he turned around and bit the hand that, that was feeding him. In a sense, the he was getting, her was giving him an excuse and uh, to not be indicted. And it's, he it made him angry. And I certainly understand his anger and, and why he was upset about it. But he should be grateful the fact that her did that because he's not going to be indicted for crimes. Yeah, I, I personally think the entire process from beginning to end was contrived. I think Robert Hur knew exactly what he was doing when he gave Biden a, a legal pass on, on those charges. I think Biden was 
fully aware of what was going to be happening. Uh, he knew that was the way to dodge the bullet of criminal ch- uh, charges. Uh, and he also knew that he had to quickly reestablish that he has some potential to be a thinking president, although I, I think obviously he failed. But I think this was, from start to finish, a contrived event. Eliminate the potential of legal charges and yet have Joe Biden continue to go forward in the presidency. So um, I don't think it was uh, two unrelated events. I think these are very coordinated events, Bob. You know, and the president had presidential immunity. Uh, Biden actually took documents that he was not authorized to take. The president had the uh, authorization to take the documents and and keep them. And yet uh, the president's uh, still going through the process of perhaps being indicted. Yeah, there was there was no uh, way that uh, Biden could have legally dodged the the charges, as you're indicating. He he had uh, secreted these documents as a uh, as a senator, and then again as vice president. Neither which neither which of those positions gives him any immunity, uh, and therefore there was no way that uh, Biden would have been uh, found innocent of these charges. So Hur took the only way he could of, of eliminating Biden from the potentials that existed, uh, and that is to declare him mentally incompetent, which certainly most. Most Americans would understand is true. The problem then, of course, is that now we, he continues in the presidency with an acknowledged mental incompetency uh, as part of his package, Bob. Absolutely. And do we need to take a little break? Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. <laughs> for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets to some great upcoming performances. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josepha Savaz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Andy, any more uh, good news for us? A uh, good news story um, of a sort, because I'll modify it a bit, but uh, Secretary Mayorkas was impeached by the, uh, by the House in a very close vote, of course, 214 to 13, 213, and those 
votes are going to get closer and closer. And that uh, Santos has been replaced in the House by a Democrat. That's that's a bad news story. Yeah. But let's presume that removing uh, Mayorkas is a good news story. He's, he's not going to be removed, by the way. The Senate will never convict on this. I don't even think Schumer will allow this to come to a vote. He doesn't want Democrat senators to be voting in support of a man who is uh, identified as clearly having failed to fulfill his oath of office. So I think Schumer will do everything he can to delay and uh, prevent this vote from coming forward. So we'll see how that happens. But uh, Mayorkas uh, being impeached is on the surface a good news story. Uh, I would suggest that Mayorkas is not the problem. Mayorkas is just someone fulfilling directives from elsewhere in the administration. I don't think it'll change a thing with Mayorkas being out, even if they were to convict. Uh, so it's a good news story, because I think it's a statement that's being made, and I think it's an appropriate statement that should be made. On the other hand, will it change what happens at the border, regardless of how it plays out? I, I do not think it will change anything at, at this point. No, I, I firmly, I definitely agree with everything you're saying, quite frankly. And uh, in my mind, it's <clears throat> we should just add another article of impeachment against uh, Biden. He's the boss. The buck stops there. And uh, it should be uh, he should be held accountable for Mayorkas's activities. Yeah, I think it's interesting to note that, you know, uh, let's say the Republicans, uh, but although it's it's. Uh, it's not Republican issue, uh, but let's say the Republicans impeach Mayorkas, the Democrats impeach a president. I mean, see, you can see this is not a, a tit-for-tat situation or equivalency by, by any nature, but it does highlight uh, the significant difference in how the Republicans and the Democrats uh, focus. The Democrats focus for the, for the top end and the Republicans uh, someplace below that. But uh, let's presume that Mayorkas being, uh, being under impeachment charges is a good thing. Uh, another good thing, I think, is the way Rand Paul has uh, positioned the, uh, the, the funding uh, legislation, uh, what was originally supposed to be a border bill is no longer a border bill, but uh, Rand Paul has called, called that, which originally with $118 billion being a part of the funding, $60 billion of this was going to go to Ukraine. Right. And Rand Paul positioned this. He said it's a circumstance of Ukraine first, America last. And I think that pretty well uh, lays out my position on this thing, is that this, uh, uh, this situation in Ukraine uh, is not beneficial. I don't think it in any way ensures or even helps secure American security in any way. Uh, the last number I heard is that 500,000 Ukrainians have died. I, I see this as a, a war with the Ukraine, Ukrainian young men being our mercenaries in our war against Russia. Uh, I find this uh, uh, unacceptable to me uh, that if, we, if our war is being fought, in my estimation, by our money funding the entire process of the, uh, essentially funding the entire process of the Ukraine government uh, and allowing this uh, surrogate war, a mercenary war, uh, to continue with the level of death that this is imposing on, on Ukrainian young men, Bob. I could not agree more. And, and Andy, also, I think uh, the, the message from Mike Johnson should basically be the Speaker of the House. Hey, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, you actually reversed all of uh, Trump's uh, positions uh, by executive order. You can actually reverse them back and get the border under control. Until you do that, we will be passing no legislation to support any of your efforts. I, I think that has to be done. Uh, of course, the Republicans in this type of process will be blamed as being uh, uh, people who block uh, needed legislation. That's what the left always does when the, when the right has significant, meaningful uh, ideological and issues in reality in, uh, that cause them to uh, to block legislation. So this is one of those things where, where it should happen. I think Johnson uh, said exactly the right thing as it pertains to this. Uh, don't want to run out of time. Let me just mention another interesting stat that I, uh, I just saw. At this point, at this point, the Chinese nationals are now the fastest growing demographic group coming across our southern border. They, yeah. I think the number that I heard for 2023 was like 3,000 Chinese nationals uh, have come across the border. This is a dramatic increase uh, over 2022, 21, and so forth going back. So this is an expanding number. 
I, I think we have to look at what this would involve, Chinese nationals coming into, flying into Mexico. It's hard to understand how it even happens. I think we're going to have this type of problem amplified uh, as we're finding more and more penetration of the border in the north coming coming through Canada. Right. Canada that essentially has what can best and only be described as an open border policy with, with absolutely no filter has now made our northern border very susceptible to penetration by uh, by forces that are antagonistic or even potential potentially violent towards the United States. This is not a good neighbor policy that Canada has in place because we will suffer the pain of Canada's absurd policies, Bob. One of my biggest concerns about these people coming across the borders, we know, you know, even if it's 3%, 2%, whatever small number it might be, these people coming across are potential terrorists who are going to be in sleeper cells for perhaps for a while until they get their plan together. I mean, I think it's clearly we're going to have another 9-11 on our hands. And it's, uh, and it's all because of this loose border policy of not vetting people before they come across. Well, I mean, there's no doubt. And I, I think the only reason we haven't, uh, had a major terrorist attack on American soil is because they haven't uh, decided to do it. I, I think there's no reason that uh, this it couldn't happen. We know that there are there are sleeper cells in the United States that's been uh, uh, fairly well documented to my satisfaction. Uh, it doesn't happen, I think, because simply they have not decided that this is not the right moment to do it. So, uh, you know, again, this I guess that's a very pessimistic thing to say, but I think it's one that has as credibility. And it's one of those pessimisms, Bob, that I think it's a better pessimism to hold. It is better to understand the pessimistic viewpoint that there are sleeper cells that might attack this country in terrorist attacks at any given moment based on their own decision. I think that is a position that should be held within our security forces, Bob. I don't understand why Congress doesn't Bite the bullet and decide to make. We can increase the number of people that come into the United States legally, uh, you know, and we could uh, just vet the people that come in. We could that could all happen if, in fact, the Senate would just take up House Bill Number Two, I believe it is, that uh, was passed last year. Well, at this point, you know, my my position is that because of the confusions, the chaos that we're seeing, that all forms of immigration should be at least put on temporary halt, and that includes legal immigration. We know that historically America has taken a significant significant periods of time out from immigration to allow for assimilation to take place. Mm. With this constant inflow of people into this country, we know, and we can document clearly, Bob, that assimilation is, is, is uh, scarcely considered as it pertains to our immigrant groups. They, they stay, they stay in, in isolated areas. Uh, we can see that in, in Minnesota with the Somalias and in, in Minneapolis and so forth. Uh, but this is a problem. I think we have to halt I'm not saying end permanently, but halt immigration of all sorts until we can get a better handle on it, Bob. I think that's a wise recommendation. Andy, need to take a break. Can you stick around? I have no place better to be, Bob. All right, Andy. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue 
Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics, they know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their elected offices. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Vows. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here, Bob. So, Andy, I understand you have a factoid for us. Uh, an interesting fact, which it demonstrates, in my estimation, the hypocrisy of the entire European community. Certainly, they've been uh, a leading voice in terms of the advocacy to accept uh, the uh, climate change position as anthropogenic global warming. Uh, yet, I, I just uh, saw this, which was interesting because it highlights that. Lufthansa confirmed that it flew 18,000 empty flights in 2021 just to maintain their landing rights at major European airports. Uh, this is in keeping with the uh, European Union's approach of use it or lose it toward flight scheduling. In other words, if you do not fly that route, then you lose that route. Um, so what Lufthansa has done has flown eight, and this is 2021 now, flown 18,000 flights with nobody on board just so they can maintain uh, their route security uh, in the European, at, at the European airports. Now, to me, that's a, a profound statement of European hypocrisy as it pertains to the, uh, to the, uh, the CO2 that's emitted, the gases emitted by, by airplane flights, Bob. By the way, I just read a paper this morning that <clears throat> the uh, the uh, level of uh, carbon dioxide is greening and is making the earth more flush and green at the, as a consequence of carbon dioxide, anthropomorphic carbon dioxide and, and quote-unquote climate change. So uh, it, there's so much more information coming out that just proving this whole green energy thing is a complete farce. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, all of the predictions that have been made historically and even the ones currently are, are, are not proving to be valid. And yet, with all of this inability to offer any predictive nature from their computer models, none, none at all, Bob. Right. Uh, we still go forward with the strong potential of having carbon tax uh, and restricting American uh, industrial output or in, in worldwide, even restricting uh, some of the f output from farms. Uh, John Kerry had recently indicated that the only way to ensure the food supply is by, in fact, reducing and restricting the activities of farmers. It seems to be a bit of an incongruity there, but uh, that never stops the left from taking a position. Uh, so here we're looking at something that is measurably doing no harm, and as you're pointing out, CO2 is a, an essential component of, of not only the lush greenness of this planet, but that lush greenness is the source of oxygen. Right. So if we're looking at a more beneficial uh, commodity than CO2, uh, it is impossible to find it, Bob. Isn't it amazing that we can actually demonize the very thing that keeps us alive? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's scary that they're doing this, uh, uh, knowingly doing it. In my estimation, I don't think they're... Uh, they're stupid or ignorant of what they're doing. I think this is a contrived position. I think they know fully well that it is not built on, on valid science, and yet they go forward, and, and they're taking on uh, one of the most significant uh, contributors to human well-being, uh, ultimately, and let's call it categorically, fossil fuels. Uh, and essentially we're looking, in my estimation, at the most important commodity that's ever come into the human uh, equation, and that is fossil fuels, and yet we're 
push, they're pushing uh, as strongly as they can to eliminate the use of fossil fuels. But. Absolutely. Andy, uh, your columns, you write several columns, and usually several columns a week. In fact, I post many of them on my website. Correct me if I'm wrong, is the tab, a pull-down tab, that you can take a look at some of Andy's past columns. Uh, you've written some interesting columns recently. Maybe you could tell us about one. Well, with the time we have, the one I want to cite, Bob, is a, a column I posted this week called Why Joe Biden? Why Joe Biden? Uh, the, the basis of this, of this column is if, and this is an if statement, if the Democrats choose Joe Biden as their nominee, what does it suggest? What does it mean if they choose Joe Biden at the convention as their nominee? I think uh, from my uh, assessment of this whole process, it can only mean one thing. It can mean that the Democrats are so sure of the election outcome in November 2024 that they want Joe Biden to be their candidate. And there's a reason for it. Joe Biden has an existing constituency, people that already align with Joe Biden. He doesn't have any unknown variables. His variables are not good ones, but there's no unknowns. So I think if, if the Democrats choose Joe Biden, it is a strong indication, as it was in 2020, that they believe they have enough control of this election process uh, to ensure the election win for Joe Biden. And I, I predict he will stay in his basement if he is the nominee. Now, we'll have to wait to see at the convention as to whether or not uh, somebody else will emerge. Uh, another point I make in this, uh, in this essay essentially is that they really do not have a lot of significant choices they might make uh, to fill that Joe Biden slot. Uh, so it may be that uh, that's the reason that they they just are not comfortable beyond Joe Biden with good reason. Party is totally lacking in significant voices that, that can even be remotely called statesmanlike voices. Uh, but I think there's a far more sinister implication as there was in 2020 now. When Joe Biden stayed in the basement in 2020, I think there was one reason for them. The fix was in. I think in 2024, if the same process replicates itself, it'll be for the same reason that the fix is in, Bob. I agree with that 100%. And of course, uh, Kamala has said that uh, she's ready to fill the void if, in fact, uh, Biden can't serve. <laughs> Can you imagine of a more distressing outcome than having her appointed as president of the United States by virtue of him stepping down or the 25th Amendment being invoked? To I, I think that's the only thing protecting Joe Biden right now, if, if there is a legal process taking place on the, on the left. Legal meaning that it, it, my prior prediction of, of a fixed election isn't true. Uh, so if that is not true, there's only one reason that they haven't acted to remove Biden from office with the 25th, uh, and that is basically because the, the horror of, of having Kamala Harris represent their party. And I think even the Democrats in the, in, in the dim part of their mind that maintains any kind of commitment to America realize that the horror that this would impose on this nation, a Kamala Harris presidency, Bob. You know, she has, in my estimation, and there's a concept that was being banded around about a decade ago, maybe a couple decades ago, is called emotional intelligence. She totally lacks emotional intelligence. She is never appropriate to the occasion. She does. She speaks to adults like they're children. It's it's just amazing how she can't assess the situation and and make make appropriate uh, responses to the situation. I mean, even if we presume a degree of nervousness in public and nervousness in public speaking, uh, even when we're just reading her her prepared remarks, there's nothing that we can call wisdom in these remarks. This is not a woman of, of any significant intelligence, any significant awareness of, of foreign policy issues, or really domestic policy issues. Uh, so again, I think she was originally chosen as Biden's VP in 2020, at that time, even, to protect them from the 25th Amendment, uh, I think that is it's serving that same purpose right now. I think uh, the Democrats are, are in a bind. They don't want to eliminate Kamala Harris because they believe that this will send a very negative uh, message uh, to the African-American community about who they are in terms of race. And so this is a, a, a difficult situation. The easiest out for them, and I think it's the one that they chose in 2020, and they're choosing it again in 2024, to rig this election from start to finish. And I know those are not uh, typically acceptable thoughts in modern America. I think the Democrats have done a sensational job at, uh, at uh, uh, 
limiting those type of remarks uh, by making these remarks unacceptable in almost every in every media source, Bob. Uh, but you know, for this purpose, our show, your show, our show, your show. I think we have to talk realistically about what's going on. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. The question is, are they going to use the same techniques? They did in 2020 to steal the election, or will they come up with some new ideas? I suspect they'll be a combination of both. Well, I think we're going to see more votes illegally cast by illegal immigrants. We know that some took place. We're not sure of the exact number. We know it took place. But I think right now, with four years to develop and hone that process, hone that process, I think that uh, that'll be a significant addition. Um, but again, with the uh, bulk mailed out uh, ballots and so forth, those those basic techniques, uh, I think, yeah, I think they know they can control at least at least the battleground states in terms of the presidential election, Bob. Andy, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Does that mean you'll pay for breakfast today? Uh, well, I might. Uh, <laughs> I might. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, no, it's my day. It's my day. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Andy. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you tune in tomorrow. We've got some great guests lined up. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>